Hello, my INTP friend. I want to let you know before we start this podcast that we are relaunching the Cosmic Calibration Program. What I mean by relaunching is just putting a new focus back onto it. As the place that I feel like every INTP who is listening to this podcast or watching on YouTube, that's the first place that you need to start. That if you already know some of personality typology, you understand the cognitive functions of being an INTP, and you're starting to do some inner work, that cosmic calibration is about maximizing your thinking and meaning that creating greater distinctions between what is introverted thinking and extroverted feeling, and then being able to understand how introverted sensing has come into play, and then eventually learning how through creating these distinctions, you can make room for your extroverted intuition to start to show up to support that extroverted feeling and be able to improve your relationships, to allow you to let go a little bit more, to allow you to play, to maybe not take life so seriously, and to be able to output more and to um, put less stress on yourself to uh, put less stress on your thinking to do everything, first of all, um, but also for the powerful tool of your introverted thinking to be able to do its job and not get so distracted by impulsive or compulsive extroverted feeling needs you know and how to how to find those safe spaces how to find those people that will actually listen to what you have to say that will support your thinking and will actually not just stand in your way and be someone that you're arguing with all the time but someone who will be a collaborative person to support your thinking process and help you to get to those universal truths that you're trying to get to so if you go to dopeintp.com, it's there on the main page, Cosmic Calibration. You can also go to bit.ly slash Cosmic INTP, all lowercase, to go directly to the course and sign up. It's a 30-day back guarantee uh, for that course as well. So if you want to go sign up for that, uh, if you're not happy with it, you certainly can get a refund. Not a problem at all. So no risk to you. And if you're in a place where you're trying to develop and grow as a person, I think this is amazing for you as an INTP to get started in creating these distinctions and to start to live uh, the best life that you can as an INTP. So with all that said, let's get the show on the road, hit the button and do the thing. Hey everybody, C-Note here, and welcome back to Dopamine, the show that is all about personal acceptance. And, uh, or I don't know, it's been about multiple things. It's changed over time, <laughs> but right now it's about acceptance. And today I want to talk about essentially asking the question, is it me? Is it because I'm an INTP or is it because of my mental health? And that was the starting point for this podcast for me personally, and that I was going through a lot of personal failures, personal challenges growing up. And I hit a breaking point where I wanted to start discovering, is this, are my challenges because of who I am, because of like the essence of me, uh, because of like something I'm locked into, like my upbringing or culture or something like that? Is it because I'm an INTP or some other personality aspect or is it because of my mental health? Or is it a mix of all three, right? And up to that point, 
up to about 2017, um, really only up until maybe in the last year or so, actually, uh, I, I had suspected that I had cyclothymia. And cyclothymia is a form of bipolar disorder. It's essentially bipolar three in a way. It's a lower grade form of bipolar disorder that you're shifting sort of your mental states from a hypomanic state of slightly a, a slight high of mental activity and to a dysthymic low of mental motivation and activity. And it's only been until recently that I've discovered that it's more about complex PTSD and some of the challenges with uh, my upbringing uh, mixed with my personality as an Enneagram one and my own expectations. And, um, and there have been some things as being an INTP that have been a challenge, but, uh, in one thing that I've been basically coming to the conclusion of is that none of that is necessarily me in terms of my essence of who I am as a human being, but those are all elements of my existence that have been factors. And so something that I think is important to talk about is that when we think about personalities, when we think about persona, ego, the way that we kind of like show up to the world, like those things are necessary. The thing that we fall into and we get locked into and that can become a challenge is any sort of fixed identity when it comes to this is who I am, or this is my mindset, or this is my X, Y, and Z. And you can hear it even in the word my, right? There's like an ownership to it. Like this is, this is mine and nobody else will have it. And that to me brings up a challenge of versatility in life. Like we wear masks. We do. That's a part of what our personality is, but it's not about getting rid of the mask or learning that maybe the mask is toxic and changing it up, which sometimes can happen, but learning that we wear different masks for different contexts and different situations. And I think that was one of the challenges as an INTP is that uh, the introverted thinking dominant side uh, or just being an IP, we tend to, IPs are a little bit more identity focused and exploring who we are through the lens of either thoughts or feelings. An INTP or an ITP will explore personal identity through what I think and what I care about and the universal truths that I, uh, that I are able, am able to drill down towards where an IFP will do the same thing with emotions, emotions that fit the, the raw human experience. And with that, the journey of that rather can come with a lot of impasses of fixations or stuckness saying like, this is who I am. No, this is who I am. And even though that's changing all the time for IPs, there is this sense that you have to land on something. There's this sense that I'm going to eventually be this or this. And I think for a lot of our human development, we get very much stuck on this idea of, of landing on some sort of a fixed identity that I'm this ethnicity or I'm this, I'm a person from this place or I do this thing, or this is my my Myers-Briggs type, or this is my Enneagram type, or, <clears throat> or like, this is my occupation, this is what I do, 
this is what I care about, etc. And all of those things, when we, it's like we pick a mask for each situation or, or each, each element of what we consider our identity to be, and then they kind of lock into place. And that locking into place is sometimes the challenge that comes up when we experience personal life turmoil and challenges. And so when I ask the question, like, is it me? Is it my personality or is it uh, my mental health? It's going to be complex. <laughs> and I guess it wouldn't be a podcast if it wasn't complex. And um, <clears throat> so one of the key challenges there is the exploration of all of that, right? First of all, being willing to introspect in the first place is really difficult. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, there's a chance that you're willing to introspect. And that's why you're listening to this podcast. Because I've done over 400 podcast episodes of my introspection, of my figuring all of this stuff out for myself. And there's a lot I have figured out. There's a lot that I have not figured out. Um, and so in, in more recent episodes, I talked about the complex PTSD side that sort of showed up as a result of unlocking my Enneagram type. And then realizing that my cyclothymia is actually more of a pseudo cyclothymia based on the fight, flight or freeze response that I experience. And so really the reason I'm doing this podcast is because I'm kind of in a mental downer right now. I don't know if you can tell in my voice, but I'm, my energy is low. Like I'm, I'm, I'm okay as a person, like I'm fine. Um, but I can feel my a mental strain because after I did profiler training in the last month, basically I went on a, a, a social media detox over maybe the end of October to just about last week, maybe. And basically I got rid of Twitter and Facebook off of my phone because I just felt like I just didn't need it. And after profiler training, I was keeping track of the marketing materials for personality hacker to support them and retweet things and comment on things. If anyone had any questions about the material that I was making. And so I reinstated it. And at first I was like, okay, I've got a good handle on this. I'm not really scrolling on any of these platforms. I'm just checking specific things. And uh, if I have things I need to share or say, then I can do that. And I will do that. And I did do that. Now, over time, it started to, I could feel, because I created the contrast and did the detox, I can feel the difference in how my mind started to grip onto, how my mind and my even my body's intelligence started to grip onto the, the hits of social media, whether it was because I was getting likes on some thing I said or, or replies. And, um, I kept searching, like I kept, there's a specific spot on my phone's home screen and I was noticing my muscle memory. Every time I opened my phone was immediately just going straight to Twitter, just not even thinking about it, just boop, boop. Right. And it opens it up. And if there's not a notification, then I felt my brain, I, I felt this tinge. I don't even know how to describe it. Really. I just felt this like disappointment feeling. Something I wouldn't have realized in the past if I, A, didn't do the t detox and B, didn't take, haven't taken the time to really learn introspection and being coming aware of like even minor changes in my chemical 
inner space. And so I just noticed that there was just this feeling of disappointment. Even if it was just a super minor feeling of disappointment, it was this feeling of disappointment. And so every time I checked Twitter and didn't have a notification, I started scrolling. And even even if I keep scrolling, like the content I want to consume on Twitter is just not where I'm at in my own mental state, in my own personal life. There's just, I don't see high quality thoughts typically. Um, and so, you know, scrolling again produced another discouraging feeling. It produced another disappointing feeling. And so I would close Twitter and then I'd have this disappointing feeling <laughs> and I'm like, well, what do I do now? <laughs> and so I realized that over the past week or so, having Twitter and Facebook back on my phone, um, it also reintroduced and opened windows to like some, some conflict that was unnecessary with um, some family stuff. And I was like, why? What? Okay. All right. Facebook. No, um, <laughs> we're not doing this. So this morning I deleted Twitter and Facebook off my phone again, but only after yesterday I had a pretty intense crash. Uh, I think some of it is just like a natural rhythm with my Enneagram arrows. I was definitely more in a four-ish emotional revisiting past emotions um, space. And, um, you know, I needed kind of that sort of emotional break. As much as I need a play break, sometimes I need emotional breaks too. <clears throat> and so I needed to spend time doing that. And now I'm coming into today and I'm, I'm not as much feeling the four-ish space that I need to necessarily be in and indulge in my feelings so much as I'm actually wanting to get to work. And I'm feeling like my, my, my body is feeling this, this thymic lack of motivation because what's happening when you're seeking a dopamine hit when you're like dopamine is the desire chemical. Dopamine is not the, uh, the release, the, there's an opiate release in your mind that happens when you reach orgasm or you reach some sort of like satisfaction, uh, the pleasure that you're seeking. Right. And usually that is associated with, uh, less, uh, synthetic pleasures, like, um, like let's, you know, social media and everything you do on your phone, those are all synthetic hits, right? Uh, you can't literally go up to someone on the beach and say like, I like your bikini. <laughs> uh, if you're a dude, at least you can't, you can't be like, I like that. <laughs> like That would be weird. Uh, but you get a hit from being able to see stuff like that on the internet and like it and share it and all that stuff. Those are all synthetic hits. Like that's not real life. That's just a metaverse. Like we, <laughs> there's a lot of people talking crap about the incoming metaverse, but we're already in a metaverse <laughs> of, of scrolling social media. Um, so that's fun. But anyway, uh, there is this, there there's with the dopamine hit and opiate hit, basically the, the dopamine desire chemical Every time that you desire something and get the hit for it, if you're doing it at too quick of a succession, it you desire it more, but you like it less. 
And so that's kind of what's happening for a lot of people with social media. And then especially if you don't get the hit, it's like edging or if you're having a sexual experience with someone and you don't get there, <laughs> like that's, that's, uh, that's frustrating. Right. And, uh, you can apply that to all sorts of different contexts. Even if you take it as simple as food, like if you're in a, in, in the house with someone and they're making you food uh, or they're making food and you're smelling it and you're desiring it and you're getting excited about it. And you're like, I want to eat this food. I'm so, so stoked about this. They're making your favorite dish. And then they come out into the living room and they're like, Oh, you wanted some, Oh, this is all there was. And then they're eating it and you don't get to have any. How frustrating is that? <laughs> you know? And so it's like that. It, it sometimes that happens over and over again too, with social media. It's like you get the hit sometimes and then other times you don't. And it's very much a, um, it's an addictive kind of response. So I, I remember feeling when I was a kid, for some reason, I just had this instinct that I was uh, prone to addictions. And so I, I didn't get involved in drugs. I didn't get involved in anything. I did get involved in alcohol, unfortunately, and that did become a bit of an addiction. Um, and so, I, you know, I stopped that. But I've always had this feeling that, that um, I was susceptible to that. And so I think that's what's made, at least me, I can't speak for you or your experience, but that's made me a little bit more sensitive to my chemical changes because I've had a lot of experience noticing this. And so all I'm really inviting you to do is notice, notice your own chemical changes because like the human body is the most complex system in existence as far as I understand right? We've got neurons, we've got the brain, we've got all the things within it. We've got mind-body connections, we've got neurons in our body. We've got all sorts of intelligences within our body. Like, I don't know the last time I've ever um, actually uh, have been aware of what my body is doing in terms of like dispersing vitamins to the vital areas that need the vitamins storing fat and then getting rid of all this. Like, I don't have to think about that. My body is doing that. That's a body intelligence. Right. And, uh, so there's, there's this massive beauty in terms of like what our body is capable of doing. Now, when we get into all sorts of trouble and turmoil in our life, it's usually because we're letting our chemical responses control the essence of us. Right. And it's not as if we need to be hyper-disciplined and control our body and things like that, but like get better at noticing because when you notice, then you can make choices for yourself. Meaning in the context that I just described with social media, if I'm noticing that there are chemical changes happening that is influencing my behavior in a way that I don't feel like I'm having a choice in anymore and it's affecting all the other areas of my life and affecting my ability to focus, my ability to have a better relationship with my partner to, you know, etc. Um, then I need to notice that and I need to make changes. Right. So with the, the dopamine thing, like there's been experiments run on mice that they would go up to a lever and every time they'd hit the lever, then they'd get the opi opiate release and they would keep pulling the lever over and over again and keep getting the release and they would keep seeking it. It's like the dopamine levels would get higher, but the opiate response would get weaker, as I mentioned before. And 
so they would be willing to then they put like an electric field between them and the lever and the mice were willing to cross the electric field to get to the lever. But when they did the same thing with food, the, the, the mouse was not willing to go get food or even take care of their basic needs because the opiate hit related to the lever was consistent and strong and easy, right? So it's kind of the same thing that's happening with social media. If you get to go online and you get to hit a simple button and just hit like, 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 and get responses or you get likes and it's just this synthetic hit over and over again. Right. And then when you go and experience real life, when you need to eat food, when you need to take care of yourself, when you need to work your job, when you need to focus for a long period of time, when you need to develop your relationships, when you need to even notice yourself and, and notice when you're needing breaks, when you're needing to go for a walk, when you're needing to take a drink of water, when you're needing to breathe. And it's affecting the ability for you to notice. Because I notice also for me that when I am in it, it is really hard to notice when you're in it. It's like when you're in a pot of boiling water or when you're in a really hot bath, it is really hard to tell how hot the bath really is. Like someone else could come in and touch the water and they'll just be like, whoa, that's crazy hot. Are you, are you okay? <laughs> because you're slowly matching the temperature of the water that you're in. And because uh, your body is, your body's doing that. And um, in the case of the social media dopamine hit, you're in it so much that you're not, it's not easy to create that contrast. And so I have a personal mantra that I believe contrast reveals all things. And if you're able to create that contrast, take a step away, take a break, release yourself from what you feel like is gripping your time and seeing how that feels, right? It doesn't have to be that long. It can be a week and just catalog. You could make a verbal note. You can write it down. Um, you can talk to someone about it and make it an experiment for yourself to note your changes, right? Day one, I'm feeling withdrawals. I'm feeling like I want this really bad. And it's actually unsettling the amount of how much I want to click the social media buttons, <laughs> you know? Uh, and, and that's really what has caused my in, initial change. And then when I went back to it, I was like, Oh, okay, we're going through it again. And sometimes the challenge, even with like addictions of any kind with drugs and stuff like that, the, there's a fear of getting off of it because of the feelings that will come up when you get off of it. Because when you get off of it, it feels awful. Like I, I feel kind of physically awful right now. I'm lucky that like I'm, I'm, I have an understanding of all of this and I don't feel too closely tied to the feelings that I'm having. Like I'm, I have a healthy distance to it where I'm like, okay, this is just what we're experiencing and this is what's going to happen. It's going to take a few days and we're going to reset and then we'll be all right. Um, in the meantime, I'll do the best I can and just not being too harsh on myself. And that's the thing with like noticing, right? If you're noticing your mental health tendencies, you're noticing your behavioral tendencies, you're noticing your personality tendencies, uh, and all of these things, it is just a noticing. It's a noticing without judgment. And that's hard because there's all sorts of things that we beat ourselves up for. 
And so it's really easy for me to beat myself up over this and say like, oh, I fell back into it. Oh, I can't believe I did that. Now I can't focus and now it's going to affect money and I can't get things done in time and I can't be a good partner. And then the kids are going to come over and I can't put a lot of attention on them. And it's not very exciting. And I'm right, right, over and over and over again. <laughs> like it gets incessant. I get kind of annoyed with that voice after a while. I'm like, okay, stop. Let's stop. We don't need to do all that anymore. It's just incessant. <laughs> all, all you need to do is notice, right? And that's the task. Like if you take, I'm using social media as the example here, because that's probably the biggest thing that pervades our culture, the world, <laughs> in terms of how it's affecting our focus of attention, even just in the little ways, like someone who's at a stoplight looking at their phone, the delay in reaction time to pressing the gas pedal and going forward, you know, is uh, tremendous. It's gone from like one second to like 10 seconds uh, in terms of response time. And that affects this, that affects the system change chain of the world. You know, it's not just one person doing that. There's all sorts of different people all over the place doing that. And that affects the flow of efficiency that affects um, that affects whether or not someone wants to work a job because you may or may not have the focus to work a job. Um, that gets into bigger picture things, but the idea here, and I think one of the things, if, if I'm going to wrap up the social media part of this, the, the thing here that really stuck out to me that I've been thinking a lot about lately is that social media is like going to a different place. You know, I mentioned the metaverse thing. It is like going somewhere. You are entering a different world that has different rules. That is a different jurisdiction and uh, different kinds of engagements, right? Like the arguments that you have online or that you may experience online or the things that people say online, most of the time are not things that people would say in person to someone. <laughs> most of the time people are not that brave um, because there are real world repercussions. If you tell someone to their face, a certain thing, you may get hit right on social media. The worst thing that can happen is you get blocked. And so there's a courage there. There's an anonymous courage. <laughs> and uh, so it creates a different atmosphere, it creates a different vibe. It creates a heightened atmosphere and a heightened vibe. And for some reason, we feel like that heightened mental stimulation is enough, right? And as I mentioned with the body's intelligence of our existence, like our heart has an intelligence. Our heart is able to increase or reduce the blood flow or beat faster or slower, depending on the context, you know, it's beating faster in an anxiety context because it's ready to run at any time. And there's all sorts of different preparations that the body can do based on external stimulus that you don't have personal control over, right? Like if you're attracted to someone, your body is having a physiological response and you're having an awareness that you're having the physiological response and that translates to attraction. You're like, Oh, I like this person because my body's reacting to this person. And so you're not actively making that happen. Nobody chooses who we are or are not attracted to. Like those, those are just physiological responses. Right. And so we learn to not necessarily impulsively go towards that person. And I'm not talking about behavior. I'm talking about our body having the intelligence to say like, Oh, if there's a person we really like, maybe if we make this happen, then we can get ready. And like, you know, the body's reacting, right? It's like, 
physiological responses, you know, whatever, all the cascading effects of responses that happen. And so the heart has an amazing level of intelligence that has neurons and connects to the brain. Same with the gut response. There's more and more discoveries of neurons in the gut. And we also have, uh, you know, electrical signals and neurons all throughout our body that are giving us all sorts of different intelligent signals, right? And so in America, at least, we very much overvalue the brain. The brain is doing a lot of amazing work. Uh, The brain allows for us to be aware of our own consciousness. But consciousness is not the brain. Consciousness is the full body system and possibly even more than that, right? Um, I've been hearing in, in yogic practices that the mind is not considered the brain. The mind is actually the full body system, uh, operating as a full intelligence, right? And so part of learning to adapt to our circumstances is being aware of our physiological responses, not just the body, but the brain and the heart and kind of thinking about all of them, like, okay, what is my heart saying right now? What is my gut saying right now? What is my head saying right now? And noticing if you're leaning too far in one direction or the other, overvaluing emotional experiences or overvaluing just instinctual reacting and body movement or mental stimulation, mental play or fear, right? According to the Enneagram, like the fear center is head-based because that's the place that can project into the future. The heart is encapsulating past emotional experiences, typically, or a sense of identity or sense of self. It's just more of a, a, a feeling and knowing and being seen. And then the gut is more of a physiological response. It's doing all of the, the maintenance work. It's, do, it's doing all of the, the, the body management stuff. And so intelligence can be carried in multiple places. And um, so I think it's important when you embody something, for example, when you embody the social media detox, and if you do that enough times, you create enough contrast in situations, your body is able to gain that intelligence and is able to then have a response that your brain can be aware of and notice like, oh, this isn't good for me. It's almost like a touching a hot stove and having like the instinctual kickback from your hand you don't think about pulling your hand back. You're, you had the pain signal and it's just like, (laughs) and everything just does it. Right. And, uh, and so it's instinctually happening. And so really getting to know this full body experience and not just thinking about your head and is especially so with how we think about relationships or how we think about our personalities, the personas that we bring to different contexts and different situations and how we think about, uh, um, our relationship to reality, you know, are you just a head jacked into the matrix and not living your life, going for walks and breathing and showering and taking care of yourself, drinking water, um, having physical relationships, you know, being able to focus on something for more than 20 minutes, uh, for more than two minutes, (laughs) you know, are you able to get into nature and sit in nature without, pining for a social media hit or from some sort of other controlling need or substance, right? Uh, Sadhguru has a program called inner engineering and I haven't done it yet, but inner engineering is the idea of like when you're engineering something, you're um, intentionally constructing something. 
and uh, intentionally knowing how it works. And we are a complex physiological system. And the more we understand how our physiological system is running, whether that's through understanding our mental health or understanding our personality reactions and responses, or even our physiological responses or our emotional responses or our behavioral choices or, you know, how much we're putting energy into one area and not putting it into another area. And, and it's basically awareness of how we may be self-sabotaging and, and um, how we're letting our impulses, instincts, or compulsions control us, our essence, more than we're able to have a, uh, a symbiotic relationship with our experience and our existence. I'm going to pause for a second and do a quick break and then wrap this up. I mean, if you're listening to podcasts, you probably like audiobooks. There's a pretty good chance. Or if you've never listened to an audiobook, this might be a good idea to uh, dip your toes in, get your feet wet, see how it feels by going to audibletrial.com slash dopamine, D-O-P-E-A-M-I-N-E. That will give you the opportunity to give this thing a try and listen to audiobooks for the first, second, third, fiftieth time, but do it through us. That would be an amazing thing for you to support Dopamine by signing up for Audible through Dopamine. Uh, but you can get your favorite books on in audio form by amazing voices. I'm actually going to be working on an audiobook soon for my book that I have available called uh, Common Questions and Uncommon Answers. It doesn't exactly roll off the tongue, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, so when that comes out, I'll let you know. But if you go to audibletrial.com slash dopamine, D-O-P-E-A-M-I-N-E, you can pick up a book that uh, one of the latest books that's actually been helpful to me called um, Complex PTSD by Pete Walker from Surviving to Thriving has been really helpful for me to understand some of the complexities of my upbringing and how that has affected uh my flight and freeze response. So even if you're not fully uh, someone who's dealing with mental health challenges, I think it is interesting to get to know the four F's, which is fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, and to get to know how those things show up in ourselves. So again, audibletrial.com slash dopamine, D-O-P-E-A-M-I-N-E. If you sign up for that, we get a little bit of a kickback and you get some great audiobooks. So it's a win-win-win for everybody. Anyway, Let's uh, get back to the show. So as I mentioned at the top of this podcast, you know, asking the question is, is it me? Is it my personality or is it my mental health? Those are personal questions that only you can ask and discover for yourself. I have this podcast with 400 episodes of my personal discovery because maybe that can help you, but only those things can be a prompt. You know, uh, when it comes to personality profiling and what I just got through with personality type typology stuff, John Beebe says that you are the instrument and you are the instrument means you are the one playing your tune in your life. <laughs> you are the one in control of your circumstances. 
And now when we think of you're in control of your circumstances, we usually think about, I'm not in control of my circumstances. I can't control people. I can't control my environment. I try to make people do things, but they don't do things. That's all I ever hear in my head <laughs> when, when either I do that or someone else does that. And they're like complaining about the outside world. I just hear, no, 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 no. Sounds like a, like a lawnmower. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, usually when we're talking about things like control, uh, it's always about the outside world, right? There's the thing about acceptance. It is, it's about the self thing about understanding your circumstances is it's about the self. You know, sometimes we can get attached to mental health because in the external diagnosis and it's like someone else said that I'm broken so I can do whatever I want. Right. That's not necessarily what I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, if you are experiencing uh, mental health difficulty, uh, whether that's diagnosed or not, maybe it's ADHD, maybe it's complex PTSD, maybe you're experiencing uh, schizophrenia or any other complex um, mental disorder, uh, you still have to make the choice for yourself if you have some control of your faculties to get the help you need and to be able to develop a self-awareness over time to make the choices for yourself that you need for yourself. And so that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm giving you the advice of like, just go for a jog and fix your life. Like, no, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, incremental changes, contrast reveals all things, start to be self-curious, start to self-discover what makes you feel better, what makes you feel worse. Uh, what gets you out of a slump? What gets you into a slump? You know, no one else is going to determine that for you. And I think w another reason I started this podcast was because I was seeing a pervasive uh, narrative in mental health spheres, um, more so the public, like people who are self-proclaimed mental health or mental illness um, havers, uh, self-diagnosed, or people who have some sort of uh, diagnosed something is that there is this, um, it's almost this like self-flagellation a little bit that comes with the, the, the mental health thing. It's like, I can't do anything about it. I'm stuck. I can't, uh, or I'm expecting someone else to care so much about my experience that they're going to accommodate me at every turn. And the unfortunate reality is that that's just not going to happen. Our favorite topic is ourselves. That's what this podcast is about is like, I'm talking about myself and my experience and um, you have to really own that you are your favorite topic and, but not expect others to have you as their favorite topic because they are their favorite topic, right? So they're living their experience. You're living your experience. And while on a system-wide level, there are definitely larger accommodations and changes that can be made. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you and your individual experiences and your individual happenings, right? Because if you just kind of wait for the system and the world and communities or whatever to accommodate you, it's you're going to be waiting a while. You're going to be delaying your life until those things happen. And it may be amazing that eventually those things happen. Uh, like I'm dyslexic, for example, 
and uh, reading can create nausea and headaches and um, have all sorts of challenges, but I can't expect the world to stop using text. (laughs) Uh, It's up for me to be aware of when I'm feeling nauseous, of when it's too much, of workarounds or scripts that I have in my mind to express that I need a little bit of a break or to take the break I need when I need the break um, or to be able to explain my experience if it needs to be explained. And, you know, anything that is fitting into that, like lawnmower, like usually comes out as like an external thing, right? Like I, I wish other people would care about my experience. I wish other people would, blah, 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 blah. I wish the world would accommodate. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm not saying this in this joking way to like devalue your experience. Cause it sucks. Like having mental struggles sucks. Having complex PTSD and all of these chemical reactions and changes sucks. Uh, But that's part of what I'm talking about when it comes to acceptance. Acceptance meaning that many of the major stressors we have in our lives are a result of stress uh, or or resulting in stress. Stress being the difference between where we are and where we think we should be. Stress being the tension between two points, right? If you were putting a rubber band around one loop, put a rubber band around another loop on the other side of the room, that is stretching the band that is creating stress. And acceptance is about settling into where you are and you don't need to stretch yourself, right? If I'm looking at my situation today where I'm feeling low and I have lower energy and I don't want to be on camera, so I'm not going to be on camera. I decided I'm just going to talk because that's what I got. That's what I feel like I can offer. And this is what's on my mind. So I'm going to offer this and talk about this that I can accept the level of energy that I'm at and make the accommodated changes. Um, or if I don't have it in terms of cooking or figuring out what the minimum of what I could do is, I'm just going to do what I could do. That's part of accepting my situation. It doesn't mean I'm not going to try. It doesn't mean I can't push a little bit, but the level of pushing that I could do is going to be different than when I'm on a really good day. Right. And the worst, the thing that I can do for myself is wish that I was feeling a different way than I'm feeling. And that would, that creates the lawnmower effect of like, Oh, I wish I was feeling better. I wish I could have better energy. I wish I could do all these things right now. I wish I could, right. It's like, that's not helpful to me. (laughs) It really isn't. It's not useful to my experience for me to not look at myself in the mirror and wish I looked some like a different way. So like the way that I approach my personality experiences, my mental health experiences, my sense of self is that I have to wear different masks in different situations and I will do the best that I can. Not everyone needs to know what's underneath the mask. Not everyone needs to know that I'm suffering from something or dealing with something or that I have low energy. I just got to fake it enough for them to not worry about it. I mean, I'm not worried about them not being worried about it, but I mean, I'm, they're not going to always ask me (laughs) and they're not always going to be worried about it, about what I'm experiencing, or they're not always going to offer a solution. So I have to handle 
to a degree what I can handle for myself. Um, what I'm trying to get to with that is looking in the mirror. And I spent a long time when I was younger as a teenager in particular, uh, concerned about my height. I'm a short guy. I'm five foot four and I'm, I'm a pudgy dude. I'm five foot four, two That's not healthy. <laughs> That's not great. But, um, uh, the weight I can change the weight I can make an adjustments to over time in a different way than I could when I was younger, cause I'm getting older and that's an energy change. But the thing about my height is I can't really do much about it. I can probably wear shoes that give me like a little bit of a lift, but if I wear stilts, I'm going to look ridiculous. Or if I try to do anything that's going to make me look much taller than I am, I'm going to look ridiculous. And so the best thing that I can do is accept a thing that I cannot change and work towards fixing some of the things that I can change. Now, some of the things related to my weight are psychological and I'm working through some of those things slowly. And so those things, all of these things that we're experiencing stresses around our personality, whether that's the Enneagram Myers-Briggs stresses around our worldview and our levels of awareness and our experience, our environment, the people that we're surrounded by. These are not things that we can necessarily change in one fell swoop. You know, we can't fix the world in one fell swoop or all the big things that we care about one fell swoop. You can delete Twitter in one fell swoop, turns out. Uh, so that helps. <laughs> um, but you're still going to deal with the feelings that come from as, as a result of that if you're feeling the the addictive feelings that I feel around it. And so all of this to say is that while I stumbled a little bit when I was talking about sort of external care and stuff like that, those systems being developed and people caring for you and having external support is important. But the expectations of that external support is probably never going to match our reality. We may expect that someone should loom over us and care for us and do all the things for us or always accommodate our mental health situations uh, or our personality or, um, or adapt to who we are in our context. Um, it's a push and pull thing. And all I'm saying is that acceptance as a whole is about noticing without judgment and taking a sense of personal responsibility because it's your life and to do whatever you can do to keep you going to the next day, taking it one step at a time, one day at a time, one moment at a time. Cause for me, I just feel like that's all I can do. And if I'm too worried about five steps ahead, sometimes I can't even think about five steps ahead and that's cool. That's just where I'm at. I tell Molly, my wife all the time, like I can only think a day ahead right now because everything's tightly packed with our schedule and that really stresses me out. I can't do all of that. So I kind of lean on her TE a little bit, her extroverted thinking. And she's like, great, I could do it. And she's amazing. So having an amazing partner or having amazing people around you is very much helpful. Um, but if that wasn't the case, and I was on my own and I had a lot of expectations, 
then I got to figure out my own hacks. I got to figure out my own way of being. I got to figure out my own physiological responses. I got to figure out what is going on with me that is going to not even optimize my experience, but stabilize my experience, right? All I'm trying to do is level out. I'm not trying to be this like well-oiled, perfect, amazing machine. This is not about achievement. This is not about hyper-discipline. This is not about anything in terms of like overdoing it. All I'm saying is that if you're trying to be a person like me that sometimes struggles with feeling like you're below the line and feeling like you're having some struggles with motivation, struggles with wanting to feed yourself, struggles with, um, with, with getting yourself back up to normal, uh, your version of normal, not someone else's version of normal, by the way, some of this acceptance and calibration is about understanding where your sense of normal is for yourself. That's going to be part of tracking your moods and your feelings and vibe for yourself. This is all that you can do for yourself. And um, knowing what it's going to take to get back up there. Right now, I realized that I hit the bottom of the barrel, so I got rid of Twitter, got rid of Facebook. Those things were just pulling me down, down, down. So I got rid of those things. And that doesn't mean I'm going to have to, I'm going to immediately spring back to normal, right? It's it's more of a sine curve. It's more of a roller coaster. It's like, okay, we're going to slowly swing back up. What do we got to do now? And that's usually the question, right? Like, what do we got to do now? Okay, I'm expressing myself. That's an important part for me, expressing myself uniquely on this podcast. Drinking some water. I need to get some food. I feel like I need some sort of decadence personally. Um, that's part of like going to four a little bit. So I may order some food for myself, some lunch. Um, and make sure some of those physiological needs are met to the base level that I need to do that. And just take it one step at a time. And now again, circumstances are very, very different. I'm lucky that I've set up myself over time to work from home and I'm able to make those accommodations, but I very much have been in situations where I've worked a job and have had awful mental health days. And if this is something that is a reoccurring theme for you, it's a challenge to find the ways to express that without, you know, someone assuming that you're not going to be consistent or reliable or anything like that. I get it. That's a scary thing. Um, but I think being honest is usually better than not because most of the things that you think other people are thinking about you, they're, they're not, they're, they're really not They're The amount of time they think about you versus thinking about themselves and their own needs and their own relationships and all of that stuff is just like, it's, it's an infinitesimal amount <laughs> that they're, they're, they're just not worried about you. Um, so you have to worry about yourself. I'm driving that point home because that's important. And that means you have to share your truth with someone who is going to be willing to listen to you. And so if you have a job where you can tell your supervisor, your boss, your manager, or if you are the boss telling people that you work with that like every once in a while I get a little bit of a crash or like not, you don't even have to go into detail. You can just say like, I'm going to use a sick day or I'm not feeling very well. Um, and if they give you a hard time, that's a bigger picture evaluation that needs to be made. Right. Um, and so th that gets into more nuances. I mean, I can't get into your context and your experience 
So, you know, if you're doing the lawnmower thing to me, and you're like, my context, my experience, my life doesn't account for all of this. And then you can't tell me what my do, do, do. I'm just offering for you to figure it out for yourself. I'm just offering some of what my experience has been and is continuing to be so that you can take this and use it as a reference guide and keep noticing when things happen. And even just like the most mundane things, like when you're eating a sandwich, how do you feel? Do you get a brain hit when you eat, you know, protein and you haven't had protein in a while? That's a good signal that you probably needed some protein. (laughs) Um, You know, your body has an intelligence, trust it. And uh, don't let it run you necessarily, but like, it's like a consultant. It's like your body is like, yeah, this is what we need. And you're like, okay, let's do this. Right. And having conversations between the essence of you, the consciousness of you, the full body system of you, and then what your brain is doing. Is your brain getting carried away? Is your brain trying to get mental stimulus and hits? Because your brain is just the reactive signal telling you, oh yeah, this is great. Oh yeah, this is great. But the brain doesn't differentiate. This is great from eating protein, from getting uh, a social reward. Cause like the dopamine hit from Twitter is a social reward and social rewards are very much part of our survival. But again, that's a synthetic social reward, and that's more immediate. And we can over favor one social, one type of reward versus another. So create that detox for yourself create some contrast, create some separation, see how that feels. And um, hopefully that works out for you. Because if you want to leave me some feedback, tell me a little bit of your story, try something first, then let me know how that feels. You can leave an email at dopaminepodcast at gmail.com. I'm not really on social media right now. If you DM me on Twitter, I will get an email notification for that. So I'm at let's go see note on Twitter. And um Yeah, I think that's all I've got to say for this podcast episode. All of this was all about acceptance and understanding yourself and really being curious about yourself, being curious about your chemical responses. Because if you're struggling with that difference between who am I and what is my mental health, which was the whole thing about what this podcast started out to be, and then personality sort of like showed showed itself up in there. Um. It's about noticing your chemical responses. When are you feeling depleted? When do you need nourishment? When do you need joy? When do you need uh, connection? When do you need partnership? And there's nuances of how that feels. And even if you don't necessarily know how that feels in your body moment to moment, maybe start to write things down or notice how your brain feels or how your, how your heart feels um, or notice your behavior. Uh, notice what situations put you in a better mood versus a worse mood? And what does a good mood even mean? What does a worse mood even mean? What is equilibrium for you? I don't even want to say normal, but equilibrium. What is equilibrium? What is, I feel good, right? Not great. It's not about being ecstatic. It's not about necessarily being uh, blissful. It's just what feels good and figuring out that balance. All right. So if you're an INTP listening to this, there's, uh, I'm going to be putting out some, some videos soon to support 
um, some shifts in terms of the, the premium stuff that I have going on on my website at dopeintp.com or dopamine.school, D-O-P-E-A-M-I-N-E.school. There is, um, I think dopaminepodcast.com goes to the same place as well, by the way. Um, I've been reevaluating my cosmic calibration program and I realized that I had marketed it as a unlocking intuition program, but really it's about maximizing your introverted thinking. It's about understanding the difference between introverted thinking and extroverted feeling. Like when are you being, uh, data driven and when are you being emotional? Because I've noticed over talking with IETPs in person and in, um, online contexts that it is sometimes really difficult to understand the difference between, um, what is something we do unconsciously and well, which is our introverted thinking versus what we unconsciously do not very well. And both are a different form of unconsciousness. It's just like an unconscious competence with introverted thinking and an unconscious incompetence when it comes to uh, extroverted feeling. And so understanding the differences uh, very much in line with this kind of awareness idea, like becoming more aware of like, okay, when am I reacting emotionally versus when am I acting in a non-biased way? Uh, it's That's really what Cosmic Calibration, the program is all about. It's calibrating that, those distinctions because then calibrating those distinctions and talking a little bit about introverted sensing as well allows for you to start to unlock and unleash and allow for letting go to let extroverted intuition start to do its work. So extroverted intuition comes in a little bit towards the end a little bit more, but the early stages in particular are more so about creating these distinctions between introverted thinking and extroverted feeling. And I think that's incredibly valuable for any INTP who is having some struggles in their lives. Maybe you are having struggles with differentiating between yourself, your personality, and your mental health and um, having struggles with relationships or co-working situations or um, or even having uh, online discussions and having your 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 thoughts not held space for and heard, right? Uh, all those are very real INTP challenges. So I would suggest that if you are comfortable with knowing that you're an INTP and you're curious about wanting to make these important distinctions, that's the program that you should get started on. That's Cosmic Calibration. If you go to dopeintp.com, that is the main button. Click the learn more button. And then you can check out, I've got more descriptions on there, but um, sign up for that 30 day back guarantee. So it's no risk to you. If you take the full course within 30 days and you don't like it, you can refund. Um, it's really not a problem. Teachable, teachable handles all of that stuff. So, uh, 30 day back guarantee. I mean, I would do it. And then I would just, if I didn't like it, I would refund. So, you know, no risk, just go do the thing. Um, and then also if you're someone who is kind of new to learning that you're an INTP or you're not sure if you're an INTP, you're kind of on the fence. We have a free course called, are you really an INTP that goes through all eight cognitive functions four of which are already on YouTube. The other four are not. The other four are exclusive to this free course. And that gets you kind of a, a an easy way into sort of the, the backend ecosystem. And then we've got, you know, emails and all that stuff. If you're not sure about any of that, you can sign up for our email list. And uh, we have an inner 
exploration. It's called Exploring the Inner Cosmos, a little secret podcast series that comes in your email inbox to get you started on that idea of cosmic calibration um, and uh, creative flow and all of that stuff. So just a reiteration, if you're an INTP looking for distinctions between TI and FE, cosmic calibration. If you're not sure that you're an INTP, go sign up for Are You Really an INTP? If you like dopamine, but you're not really sure where to put your attention in terms of the premium stuff yet, you can start by signing up for our email list. And there is a free secret podcast that comes into your email. There's like three episodes that come into your email inbox that are only for email subscribers called Exploring the Inner Cosmos. It's about input, process, output, understanding how your brain and body works in terms of taking in information, processing it, and then putting it out into the world. So I have been C-Note, aka Christian Rivera. I appreciate you being here, listening to this podcast. Um, Happy holidays if you're someone who is celebrating holidays this time of year, or happy winter solstice as it's coming soon. I don't know what day it is. Is it 16th today? Uh, December 16th today. So yeah, in a few days, happy winter solstice. Um, And, uh, you know, the darkest day of the year is only in a few days. And then from there, it's upswing back into light. So go drink some water. Take care of yourself. I appreciate you. Thanks for being here. And I'll catch you next time on Dopamine. See ya. Bye. This has been a C-Note Media Production. (laughs) 